bass drops in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Don't worry. We're going to be with you in your ear holes, helping you get through. DLC, of course, uh, delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our sponsor this week, Mac Weldon. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. I uh, apologize for the way my voice sounds. I'm a little under the weather. But have no fear. I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who also wants to blot out the light and cover my world in total darkness, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Uh up top, I'm going to be in Austin uh, the 2nd and 3rd of September for the Out of Bounds Comedy Festival doing sets. Uh, it's a great fest, so if you're in Austin, come out and say hi, and uh, we can talk about how we're going to ruin Jeff's life. I actually got him sick. It's all part of my master plan, baby. Yeah, man. It's uh, I don't know how you did it, but it was uh, maybe it was uh, all that the all those uh, drinks that we shared. I don't know. I just don't, <laughs> don't swap spit with Christian. That's all I'm saying. I take a sip and I package it up and then I mail it to Jeff's house. <laughs> yeah, um, I I will persevere, but I, I apologize for the flimsy sound of my voice. I whenever I hear somebody that sounds like me, I'm always just as a listener, I'm always like <laughs> clearing my throat, you know. So I apologize for all the people that are clearing their throat right now. Um, the good news is <clears throat> we have. A great guest, uh, one of our favorite people. This, you know, that uh, DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian. But this week, DLC stands for Davison. The legend continues because one of our favorite people back with us. You know him from Glixel, One Up Yours, Gamespot, EGM, What They Play. The list goes on and on and on. We know him as one of our friends, Mr. John Davison. Welcome Hello. back, sir. How you doing? Uh, not so great, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's all right. It's okay. We're gonna we're gonna have a great show. We got lots to talk about. Gamescom is kicking off this week. Uh, we've got Gamescom news. We've got lots of cool games that, that we've played. So let's get right to it, guys, and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration on our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool folks there, hanging out, talking about the show. I urge you to give it a shot. It's, it's, a, it's a great place to be with good people. Uh, John, welcome back to the show, man. It's been too long. You get first pick of stories, so what would you consider to be your Story of the Week? I was very interested in the Xbox One X stuff. I know that was, you know, that's been on everyone's list. I think either that or just for me personally, the Overwatch stuff. But let's go with Xbox One X. All right. So uh, Xbox obviously had their big uh, pre-Gamescom press conference on Sunday. And they announced, uh, first and foremost, they announced that pre-orders were up for Xbox One X. They announced a limited edition version of the Xbox One X called the Project Scorpio Edition. Uh, and, and I'm going to let Christian crow a little bit about 
I don't know. He wants to claim that his prediction is validated. So I'm, Christian, I'm, I'm taking that half a point. I I guess that the name of their next console would be Project. They'd keep Project Scorpio, and it, I mean it technically it technically is right. It's this first one coming out. It has a Project Scorpio name on it, so I'm going to claim it. That's like saying the next Doom game is going to be called Drenched in Blood because they announced a Drenched in Blood version or something. You know, that's that's, that's a little ridiculous. I okay, say Mr. Prediction of you had yours wasn't even a subtitle for the console. Go ahead. Uh, no, you're right. Tell me how I'm wrong. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't front because you are, you have been uh, Spistradamus all year. You have your predictions have been remarkably accurate. So I have to bow at the feet of Spistradamus. Uh, but that was not all that they announced. Uh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, well, yeah, it may have seemed like it. Um, they uh, they announced there are, there are over a hundred titles that will support uh, Xbox One X expanded functionality, higher resolutions. They're going to have all these free patches. Uh, when the Xbox One X was first announced back at E3, that that list was about thirty games. So now we're up to a hundred. That's that's pretty big. And uh, I mean, I guess one hundred eighteen technically is the list that they have now as of this weekend. So, you know, it's growing exponentially. That's good news for people that want to jump in on the new console. And they also uh, announced a new game, uh, which is not exclusive to Xbox. It'll be out on PlayStation 4 and Windows PC. It's not their game, but they used their press conference as a way for Universal and Frontier Developments to announce Jurassic World Evolution, which is uh, basically a Zoo Tycoon game. Uh, with Jurassic Park looks really cool. They showed a pre-rendered announcement trailer. Uh, John, did you happen to see this entire press conference? Or I, I saw bits of it. So, so we let's talk about Jurassic World Evolution in a second. I wanted to talk about this Project Scorpio edition because mm-hmm. I was confused at first because I saw that image of the box that it comes in, and it has that cool um, old school uh, original Xbox graphic on it. Right. And I'm like, oh, cool. They're doing like a limited edition Xbox One X that looks like an old Xbox. But it doesn't, right? It's just the it's just the boring black slab and they've written Project Scorpion edition on it somewhere. Is that, really, is that right? Really tiny. They wrote it really tiny on it. Uh, I think that they're trying to make it evoke the old Xbox in a weird way. I don't I don't know exactly how, but that's the the idea is that there's some old Xbox branding associated with it. Uh, but I agree with you that it's a, it's vague and kind of strange. There's a, a like a gradient, uh, color that goes from dark gray to black, which is always great on gradients going from uh, a shade of black <laughs> to a darker shade of black. Um, yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem as special as maybe they're making it out to be. I think the Minecraft edition of the Xbox One S is much cooler looking if you want to see a, you know, a special edition, but that didn't stop me from pre-ordering one <laughs> like an idiot. Um, I'm so dumb, but uh, yeah, I pre-ordered one. So I know Christian, you pre-ordered one too, right? Yeah, this was our uh, to loop readers in or listeners, readers, listeners into our, uh, our friendship. It went like this yesterday. I pre-ordered a Project Scorpio edition. I don't even have a 4K TV, nor have I turned on my Xbox in months. Why? You replied. What's the link? You. I'm an idiot. I just did it too. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I did something stupid. I said, what's the link for me to do that stupid thing? 
And then I did that stupid thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice nod. Like they did the day one edition that was available several days after day one for the Xbox One. And that's what this is, right? It's just, it's an etching on the console and on the controller. But I think it's nice that at least they're winking at, hey, we came up with a cool code name. Uh, and it did. I think it got people artificially excited for the X, right? Like it, it's like, ooh, the, it's, that, it's that thing and they're going to do it. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I would love to know the pre-order numbers because you aren't hearing anything about sellouts or you can't get the Scorpio edition anymore or any of that stuff. And they said, these are very limited, very limited. It's hard for me to justify my own purchase, let alone recommending it to anybody else. Microsoft certainly isn't giving people tons of reasons to get this thing. Um, You know, another piece of news that happened this week is that Crackdown 3 got delayed and that was yeah. going to be one of the few uh, exclusives to Xbox uh, this holiday season. I worry season. that game's never coming out. Really, you think? Yeah. Because oh, it's been in development for what? Uh, since what? I'm, I'm pulling a number out of, my, out of my butt here. Five years, probably? I, I think, think it was shown at 2016 E3. It was shown before that as well, though, right? I mean, they've been talking about it for a long time. And it's been this m- sort of magical mystical oh we're using cloud technology it's going to use microsoft azure servers so it can calculate things falling over and i sat through the demo uh, i mean i i loved the original crackdown i can remember when luke smith and i worked together on this is how long ago the first one was it was when luke was on was on uh one up doing news mm-hmm. and we would come what is in that guy up to now yeah, <laughs> yeah. i know he, i don't know what happened to him um <laughs> There was him and, and Che and me and a few others, and we would come in every day and we were comparing notes on collecting those crazy green orbs and which of the sort of really bonkers ones we found. I mean, it was like such a great game for yeah. like just telling stories about your experience. And then they released the second one with a different developer, and it was awful, and it had zombies in it. And then they were like, we're doing another one. And it's almost like, I don't know if they're just worried that it's not enough or i mean when i saw the demo at e3 there was no evidence of of the power of cloud computing i mean it was a cool-ish demo but it was it wasn't any of the stuff that they talked about early on it was an open world freeform shooter and the distinction that they made was that it was uh it has no through line narrative yeah it's, yeah. you, you just sort of pick up things to do along. It's almost like an MMO rather than in terms of the way that it's structured. But that was what they were pushing. There was none of, there were no skyscrapers falling over or anything big and spectacular happening. Uh, in the chat, Pixelated Soul says that Crackdown 3 was officially announced in 2014 at E3. But I think, I mean, clearly they were working on it earlier than that. Um, but yeah, it, it is, <laughs> it is a far cry from what, they originally said it was going to be, you referenced the, you know, buildings falling down and all this craziness that is nowhere to be seen in any of that stuff. And I think a lot of that is why the game has been delayed. Like they, they straight up said, we want to make it look prettier, which makes sense if, if, you know, if you're using it to sell the most powerful console the world has ever seen, and it looks kind of a little bit like the old crackdown, you know, it's basically the old crackdown. Um, I don't think I don't think it was blowing anybody's socks off at E3 this year, and maybe that will change. But um, it, you know, it's a hard case I think for Microsoft to make for people to plunk down five hundred dollars for 
this big powerful system when it's like we got all these free patches for all these games you already own. They'll look slightly nicer. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not down on it. Listen, I'm I'm an idiot. I bought one. And why did you drop 500 bucks on one? Uh, well, I have at least at least I have a 4K TV. Christian doesn't even have a 4K TV. Um, <laughs> and I'm 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 excited about the 4K Blu-ray drive in it. I want to watch you know those on my nice 4K TV. That's nice. And I have a problem. I have a legit problem. I need to have the newest, latest, best. I'm, I freely admit there's, there's really no reason to buy this thing, but I'm kind of excited <laughs> to see what it is. Uh, I have a problem. I think if you've been waiting to get into this console gen, the Xbox One X, while expensive, but if you're an adult and you have the disposable income and you've been waiting to get in, this seems like a good place to get in in the sense that Rise of the Tomb Raider is a phenomenal game and you will have the best version of it. You will play the best and prettiest version of Halo 5. Like you have this incredible back catalog of the best version of these games. But yeah, like someone that's been keeping up and looking forward, there's just not a lot to be super excited about. I, I guess I'll play Mordor on it. I'll probably play Call of Duty on it. But it's this weird thing, too, where some of these games are, are in Star Wars, but they have, like, licensing agreements with Sony, so you'll get the best-looking game on Xbox, but I'll have to wait two more months to get the maps or whatever it is. And it's just, like, so frustrating. Yeah. Do you both have PlayStation Pros as well? I do. I do not. I, I keep... So it looks like, and maybe they're doing it right now. I stream via an Elgato, and it looks like they're going. They're announcing a 4K 60 um, Elgato yeah, just, at Gamescom. It just, it just happened. Okay, so I will get a I will get a Pro, and I will get a 4K TV. But that's been the thing that's been keeping me off of it. Is that to like have a PlayStation 4 Pro and stream and a PSVR? I'd have to split my HDMI cable like two to three times. You know, coming out of that thing, and I'm just not gonna do that but now if i can have an elgato that will capture and stream i'll uh, i'll jump into that for sure right oh my wife doesn't know though <laughs> crap <laughs> yeah so <clears throat> it's, it's an interesting thing i mean microsoft is clearly putting a lot of their emphasis on third party i mean uh, assassin's creed origin is front and center um shadow of mordor or excuse me shadow of war is front and center uh, but it's not like Sony is is doing much different this holiday season. Their uh, their lineup isn't particularly more impressive. I mean, they've got Knack Two, and um, you know, there's like th- three exclusives that they have that are all kind of not exactly you know barn burners either. So I think we're in this place where this holiday season is really about the third party games, um, and it, it's odd to drop new hardware in that kind of ecosystem. That seems very odd a lot of the conversations i had about it was there's also this there's a tendency with a lot of people that just want to buy the best version of something and and it's it's, that's me that's me unfortunately i hate myself about it but it's true i mean there is a bit of a you know there's quite a i don't know what you would call the attitude but it is like okay the, the the one that's the most expensive must be the best one right okay i'll have that one and i think they are they are taking advantage of that sentiment that a bunch of people have uh, well, this this box, according to Digital Foundry, places that have done specs on it, it's hard to build a comparable PC at this price, price point. Yeah. I mean, so it, it's got it's got it looks like it's CPU throttled, um, but otherwise, I think that this thing, it, this could be a new. It looks like this could be powerful enough to quote unquote be a new console gen. I think what's yeah. holding them back is this tying it to the Xbox One and the fact that I'll be able to play Crackdown Three or Forza Seven on my. 
current gen. And what blew my mind about this press conference is when they trotted Forza 7 out and they're showing how gorgeous it looks, you know, running on score or X hardware. They also then took pains to tell me about how I can play it on a surface. Like, they're like, it's like, this game looks amazing, but it actually looks really, really good on crappy things, too. And you're just like... Yeah, we lowered the minimum specs. It's... Yeah, uh, yeah. Racing While you're games, selling the high- Driving games are so the wrong thing to show off 100%. this tech. Like... It's all they, they've got. Um, but, but racing games have looked gorgeous since the PS3, you know? It's like, I could see the carbon fiber weave on the back of a Lamborghini in whatever the Gran Turismo one on PS3 was. And it's like, I think, in t- it, I don't know, it's, I, I mean, I, I, I get it, but um, I don't know, I think this list of 118 games, I think what that really speaks to is that the the way that games are made now, when the artists and the teams are generate, they're generating assets in 4K, now they have a way to put them out as close to native as possible. And it's, you know, it's, it's you know art is the most expensive part of making a video game so it's it's fantastic that we can now see the closest possible thing to what they started with yeah yeah i guess that's good a gaucho cam in the chat says but minecraft in 4k guys <laughs> yeah i mean that's kind of what they're talking it's about crisp yeah i don't understand i mean I, we can move on from this topic we keep talking around the same issue but uh, i just don't understand they're clearly taking a loss on these things and to what end like to what, what is, Xbox. What the, that's what that's why, right? The Xbox One had so many funky messaging issues at the beginning. This is a table swipe. I guess that's true. I mean, I I I said, you know, back at E3 that I think the goal of the Xbox One X is to sell more Xbox One S's. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really right, the truth. Right. Yeah. All right, and Christian. It, and oh, it's, one last thought. It is the, I mean, it is the moving consoles into the phone model of upgrading, and I think that's 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 the other part of its real job. It's rebooting the Xbox brand around something very powerful, and I think it's a message that going forward, where it's you're on the same path, and you know every couple of years it's a more powerful version, and and you know there will come a point in a few years where the current Xbox, the Xbox One S won't be supported anymore the way that when ios 11 comes out next month your iphone 5 won't work with it and christian you and i are the problem you and i are the reason that they can do this because we're idiots and we buy the newest one and that that's what they want they want to they don't want every five to six years to put out something want every you know one to 18 months to put out well fool me once right i mean the playstation 4 pro it, I think it's been kind of a misstep for them, for Sony, with a lot of the games don't have great pro support. Some of the games run worse on pro. Some of the games, when they launch, say they have pro support, but don't. Like, it hasn't been great in terms of its messaging and getting out that this is the best version of this console and the best way to play these games. Hopefully, Xbox can can do that and they deliver on this promise. But I feel like there's a risk that after this round of spending this money on this half step, I'm going to do the same thing I did with my iPhone and be like, you know what? I have an iPhone 5S and it's great. <laughs> like, I don't care. I, I, I'm able to pull myself away from the upgrade cycle because it's not as sexy each time they're doing it. It's like, here's the, pretty much the same thing you have. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm with a 40-year-old. Wake me up when you bring in a 21-year-old. You know what I'm saying for that well, crappy next, analogy? The next step is what uh, Apple has done, which is, hey, subscribe to Xbox and you'll always get the newest hardware. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, all right, Christian, what is your story of the week? So I, I, I'm surprising myself. I didn't think it was going to be this when I was perusing some of the things that you added to this. I thought I added one and I was like, this is what I want to talk about. But no, no, no. I took the time to, to watch the video Digital Extremes. They announced the amazing Eternals and they are the studio behind Warframe. And holy moly, this game looks incredible. It is a hybrid first person shooter slash deck building game. And because vi- why do why do uh, Overwatch when you can do Overwatch and Hearthstone? I know. I, I I it's easy to say that with snark, but like for in the video, they're like, you know, we wanted to bring something new to the hero genre, and I was like, no, you didn't. You just map two genres on top of each other. But by God, if I don't think it might work, like I feel like Doc Brown. Like this is crazy enough that this might work. Um, and the visual aesthetic that they're going for, and they talk about how they're leaning into, you know, some of the campy, pulpy properties of the past. It's like, uh, lost in space looking sci-fi stuff, spaghetti western looking western stuff. And also, they're piggybacking on Jumanji, where it's this idea of you and your friends find this old board game or this deck building game, and then you get sucked into the game, and now you're playing around as these characters. And so I think the deck building aspect might be a little overwhelming for me. Oftentimes, deck building give me that uh analysis paralysis kind of feeling of like oh messing up but if i think the aesthetic of this game might pull me in it looks awesome well it's gonna be interesting to see if the deck building is substantially different than just if it's just a visual metaphor for stuff that you can already do in these kinds of games which is like loadouts and right perks and stuff if it's just hey now it's in now it's in card form that won't be dramatically different but if the deck building is is actually substantive you know and it has it has real strategy akin to something you would find in a hearthstone or uh you know gwent or something where your deck gives you a wildly different play style and it really does um you know it really does impact whether you can win or lose because the hard thing with that is like you know the it's still a first person shooter right it still has to come down to your skill level of, at, at shooting stuff uh, but I agree with you. That's a it's an interesting concept. I think, unlike some of the other Me Too uh, hero games, this one I think the visual style really s- sets it apart. You know, I think one of the things that Overwatch did so well is it's just really fun to look at. You and know, you they, know from across the map, like who that is. Even right. you might not know what type of character that is if you don't play a lot. But I can see someone all the way across the ra- map and recognize that that's Reaper and right. and know what that is. Well, versus Lawbreakers is gorgeous, but it's very uh, guys in armor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you get a chance to see this, John? I did. Yeah, and uh, I have a feeling the deck building is is going to be more along the lines of of loadouts. But um, I agree on the distinctive. I mean, like my problem playing Call of Duty or even um, something like Rainbow Six Siege, which leans on the the sort of classes a lot harder. It can still be really difficult to work out who's doing what and who it is that you're supposed to be with. It's why I think I, I keep coming back to Overwatch all the time. It is that I totally get what's going on all the time, you know? And I think this this has a chance. And Warframe, I mean, Warframe is one of those games that um, quietly was huge. And a lot of people don't yeah. give it the credit that it deserves. And it's got a super passionate community. I mean, there's even, I don't know if it's happened yet, but there's even a Warframe, like convention thing that they do where you know all the fans go and show you know like a mini blizzcon for warframe and you know it's got a really passionate following and it was the first game i played on a ps4 
Oh, yeah. wow. Uh, we, yeah, um, my buddy, uh, Dan Trachtenberg is really into that and he was trying to get me back into it. I played a little of it. Uh, and it, I mean, it's a really cool game. It's been around a long time and they keep adding new content and it's really got a robust, uh, amount of content, robust community around it. So yeah, these guys know how to create something that lasts a long time and they know the free to play model. Uh, the amazing Eternals is going to be free to play as well. Uh, and I guess they're, they've announced a, um, a beta that you can be a part of too. So if you're interested, if you hear us talking about it, you're interested, and that's you can... food. It's like the 29th, it's like this month. Right? Yeah. 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 Next week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah. It looks really cool. Um, man, I'm torn about my story of the week. Uh, I think I want to talk about this with you because I'm so curious what you have to say about it, John. Um, it sounds like Bioware is just, done with mass effect andromeda <laughs> yeah, right? just like i am it, it, totally, it totally smells like they just went oops <laughs> yeah yeah we dropped a turd and we re- recognize it now and uh we're not going to waste any more time polishing that um so as much as they had said that there was going to be all this you know uh dlc and there were going to be patches and we we're going to fix all this stuff and even not played the best version of the game yet not so much. They uh, <laughs> announced that there won't get, they won't be any downloadable content for single player mode. So whereas uh, Mass Effect games in the past have had, you know, big content patches and big content DLC that you can buy that add new missions and stuff. Nope, not for Andromeda. Um, they're they're done with it. They're moving on, and uh, <laughs> there still is going to be, I guess, some multiplayer stuff that must have been in the pipeline, but. Uh, it says there are no planned future patches for single player or in-game story content. And, but they did say we will continue to tell stories in the Andromeda Galaxy through our upcoming comics and novels. I hope because better we signed than... contracts with those people. <laughs> but did it, did you any of you read um, the Mass Effect Nexus Uprising? No. Possibly the most boring book I've ever read. <laughs> Actually, oh I listened to the ended up listening to the audio book, which is also the most boringly read audiobook I've ever heard. It was, like, dangerous for me to listen to it in the car because I might fall asleep. <laughs> I'm laughing. Been... Please, no, I'm not laughing to poop on Mass Effect. It's like that awkward feeling you don't quite know what else to do, right? <laughs> You're just like, oh, no. Well, has there ever been a uh, uh, an IP that has been held in such high regard? I mean, this is probably some people's favorite game series of all time. And then the new version comes out, and it's just, it's just, eh, we don't want to. I have a prediction. I have a prediction on Mass Effect. It's, it's, okay. it's two predictions. So, first one, and the obvious one, is that this whole shooting people to Andromeda, 600 years, whatever, that, that's done. It's closed, closed book. They're, gonna, they're not going to continue that, that thread of story. The other one. If ever there was a time to go back and do those Mass Effect remasters that have been been rumored <laughs> right. for forever, now is the time to make us fall in love with it again. And Maybe the way to do that is give us the game we loved, only only uh, Project Scorpio optimized. There you go. There you go. That's maybe that's what the DLC team is like. Okay, can, cancel all those single player DLC. Transfer over to the uh, the remaster team. Um. That, that's I think I think that you you might be right about that, Christian. Uh, what do you make of this, man? I think the writing was on the wall to some extent. I think it's sad for the fans and the people that did find joy in this game. I have a couple of friends that you know did find some fun with it, and I'm sure the they would have liked that, the same friends that are like keep telling you that Star Wars Episode One is good. 
No, they're my same friends that keep telling me that VR is worth my time. Oh, and, um, <laughs> oh I don't say that about my <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think, you know, people were hopeful and optimistic that maybe there'd be a good uh, story-based DLC to come out of this. But I also understand it from a business perspective, like... A big meaty DLC is not going to get a lot of new people in. This game has its reputation for better or worse. Anthem has a lot of people excited about it. Let's move whatever resources we have to Anthem or whatever else we have coming up. And let's keep looking forward. And originally, I thought that there was a chance that Anthem would maybe have a Mass Effect subtitle. I no longer think that at all. I think they're going to let this franchise rest and come back um, with a vengeance probably like 2020 or something like that way down the line. Yeah. I think that's probably wise. Uh, another bit of news uh, that uh, dropped just shortly before we started recording, uh, the Vive is getting a price drop of $200 down to five dollars down to five instead of very expensive. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's almost like, at that Xbox One X impulse buy price. <laughs> 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 uh, well, I saw this. I saw that the, the title was like, we're dropping it by $200. I was like, wow, that's great. And then I saw it's $599. And I went, oh, how much did I pay for a Vive? <laughs> when did I buy that? What kind of idiot was I? Uh, yeah, it was originally $799. And somehow that seemed like a good idea. Uh, $599. Now, we saw a Oculus Rift uh, price drop at the beginning of the summer that is down to what, $399 for, for that? So, it was only temporary, With touch, though, right? Yeah, they, it's it's still going, but it, yeah, they say it was temporary. Um, I I would be surprised if we ever see the price go back up on that. But uh, it's hard for me to still not say. I mean, even two hundred dollars cheaper with Vive, it's hard for me to still not say that Oculus is the better buy here. But uh, what I wish they had said was, it's two hundred dollars cheaper, and now all Vive bundles include the new audio head strap which should be how the game how the thing was originally it's not even released out yet what the head strap yeah no it is i own one. Oh, you I have one because i was looking yeah. on I mean, how much website. did you pay for your headset and all your attachments Jeff? yeah don't ask <laughs> do not ask because that, that thing's 100 bucks as well right it is yeah 99 <laughs> bucks yeah. and i bought and i bought uh lenses uh so that i don't have to wear my glasses or contacts inside it okay yeah, so I'm, I'm, you know, plus I bought that, uh, that stand for IKEA to let me walk around my house untethered. I'm an idiot. We, if we've established anything, this episode is that I'm an idiot and should not be trusted around money. Well, all I do is I'm, I'm like the VR skeptic that's sitting surrounded by two headsets and two sets of move controllers. So, like, I'm, I'm right there with you, buddy. Our Xbox One Xs are gonna date in college and then like get into a car accident and both die just because oh they're both. So dumb. They're both yeah. so dumb. No, you you are uh if if I'm horrible, you are somehow even worse because at least at least I have uh I'm consistent with my opinions. You 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 are like I don't want any of this stuff and I'm buying it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my wife's money's got to get spent somehow. You it's uh, you didn't know that we're in that uh oh god, what's that movie? Uh whatever's millions, Boosters. Brewster's uh, millions. Brewster's yeah, millions. Yeah. yeah. That's my life except it's like Brewster's $500. Brewster's wife's millions. <laughs> <laughs> his wife's five hundred dollars uh, all right we got a lot of games to talk about including uncharted and sonic and lots of cool stuff uh but i do need to thank our sponsor for this episode which is mac weldon chances I'm are wearing mine right now are you me too mm-hmm. mac weldon makes basics it makes the stuff you need to wear most often underpants undershirts socks 
uh, sweatpants, sweatshirts, that kind of stuff. The stuff that most likely you put the least amount of thought and effort into. If you're like me, I I have no desire to even think about that stuff. I want to go to the store. I don't want to go to the store, but when I go to the store to buy that stuff, I just buy the cheapest bag of crap off the shelf that has like a bag of 18 socks or, you know, four underpants or whatever. And ultimately, uh, they're scratchy or they're uncomfortable, or even if they are fine, they're just fine. They're just fine. Mac Weldon wants you to would take you away from just fine and bring you into the world of comfortable, elegant, looks good to your significant other when they finally see you in them, and smells better because they're antimicrobial, which is a, a big deal. They make it easy for you to buy. You don't have to go to the store. In fact, they cut out the middleman in that respect. You just buy it online. It comes to you in a really cool case or packaging. And they're they're awesome. They're comfortable. They're honestly the underpants. I, I have a bunch of boxers from Mack Weldon. They're the underpants I reach for first when I want to be most comfortable. If I'm going to be walking around a lot or if I'm going to be going to a convention or something, I reach for my Mack Weldons. I make sure they're clean and ready to go. I should just convert everything to Mack Weldon because that's my my favorite ones. Their line of silver underwear and shirts are naturally antimicrobial. means it's going to prevent you with the stink. And and they're so much more comfortable. Best of all, because you listen to my scratchy voice this week, you're going to get 20% off going to MacWeldon.com using our promo code DLC. 20% off your first order. So check it out. MacWeldon.com, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code DLC, and check it out. Upgrade, get out, get out of fine, and get into excellent. Lots of fun stuff to talk about in the playlist. Uh, John, what is on your playlist? So I have been persevering <laughs> with Fortnite. Ah, okay. Which I I have a really complex relationship with. <laughs> because I really want to love it, but it keeps trying really hard to make me not love it. <laughs> Is that all the progression stuff, all of the weird systems that it layers on top? A little bit. And, and just, I, I think they designed the user interface for people with two brains or something i it's like it, there's so much going on and so much to keep track of and nothing seems to be collected or sorted in the way that i would want things collected or sorted and there are still i've put I've, i don't know i've got 30 40 hours into that game and there are still big chunks of it where i am doing things and i still don't know what it does <laughs> right yeah no, like I watched the, a bunch the, of YouTube videos. What the hell are the survivors doing? Like, I've got loads of them. I have no idea what they do for me. They're like glorified uh, bonus things, and you have to create these combinations of them to give you stat bonuses and stuff. Yeah. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos about it. You're right, though. It, it's a strange match mashup between what is a very simple game, stand in a place, defend that place from things coming at you. Like, that is the game. But – Layered on top of that is just piles and piles and piles of stuff. They're just shoveling stuff on top of you to do. And you're so right. It's 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 baffling, but oddly compelling for me at least. I mean, there was there was I logged in. I like I was playing like you know when I, I was off work <laughs> for six weeks, 
And uh, I was like, I was checking in every day on it. And and when you're playing on that daily cadence, the sort of the the upkeep that you have to do is fairly limited. So you log in and then you just have this sort of list that you work through, right? And that you're, I was playing on PS4. So I was like, you know, you, you go, you hit the left button, the right button, and you go through each of the things with an exclamation point and you do your housekeeping and then you go do your mission. But then I didn't play for like 10 days. And when I went back, there was just mountains of shit for me to wade through. <laughs> right. Oh, no, yeah. I spent like 25 minutes Without going and building and doing a, actually playing the game, I was just I was going to research points and I was applying them to the skill tree. And now I've got like multiple skill trees that I'm managing right. in multiple different areas. And I was going through and I was you know leveling up my different classes. And I, it could just there, there is a brilliant game hiding underneath all that stuff. And the fact that it's been in beta for so long and it's still that way is a little disappointing. It is, it is very strange that nobody was like, Hey, do we need all of this? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But ultimately for me, the thing that made me lose interest was that there's nothing else in the game game. You know, there's not, there's no other kind of mission than build a thing, defend that thing. And I, I love the universe so much. I love well, the exploration. The and there's um, – so there's the build the thing, the build the thing, defend the thing. And then there's rescue the people. Then there's the – and then there are variations on build the thing and defend the thing. Right, yeah, but, right. but there's no – the closest it gets to a different kind of quest is go find – for medical boxes or go, right. yeah. Um, and that exploration stuff is really cool. Like the universe they've created is oh, really yeah. fun and interesting. I love and I just wish there was well. more to it. Actually, the, oh, look, yeah. the look of it, I think, is why I've stuck with it. Because I, keep, I, I really, really enjoyed the first Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare. I, I didn't care for the second one as much. But the first one, there was something kind of magical about it. And to me, Fortnite evokes a similar vibe. I think it's the cartoony look and it's not afraid of being colorful and right. and this is actually going back to the 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 digital extreme thing. Fundamentally Fortnite is technically a card collecting game as well and I mean it it pretends to be lots of other things but it's doling out cards constantly as well. Um and I think that might be a hint as a, for what we're going to see from from that game as well. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, th- I think that's true. And it's become, you know, we are seeing the the digital card loot boxification of everything, you know? Even that, that, single player games. Uh. Yeah, yeah. It's happening, man. It's happening because, and you can thank Blizzard because it, is, it has been a money-making machine and people seem to dig it. I dig it. Um, so I don't know how much I'm complaining or I'm just sort of noticing. I, I don't know. I just think when it, everything becomes one thing is when I get a little worried. Yeah. But So I've been playing that. Um, I'm still playing Overwatch constantly. It's my sort of go-to comfort food game on well, these days. Right. Speaking of that, right before we started recording, uh, Blizzard had their Gamescom press conference and they announced that new uh, map, which is going to be in the junk, Junkyard Junkatown. universe. Junkatown. Yeah. You excited for that? I am, yeah. Um, and and it, for some reason, it's giving me even more Borderlands vibes than some of their previous <laughs> stuff has. Right. Um, 
I'm, I'm just hungry for anything Overwatch. I'm not especially great at Overwatch, but I can hold my own. My uh, 12-year-old son is now diamond level in a competitive. Nice. He's got, I don't know, he's like crazy weird Jedi skills with it. Like, he's insanely good. But I think that's just, you know, young teenagers on first-person shooters, their accuracy is just insane. My my older son's similar as well, but... but um, so I've been I've been getting tips on how to play. Like he taught me he taught me how to play Doomfist. I was like, I have no fucking clue what's going on here, guys. Like I I don't know. Like why why do I keep dying? And he was like, Oh come here, you just need to you just need to do this and do this. And like he he like totally grokked it and and helped me understand it. But um, that's my comfort food game. And then I've been on a real Blizzard tear lately. Starcraft Remastered came out last week, so I've been yeah. playing through that as well. Now. Starcraft, I I loved when it was released. I I played it like I play Heroes of the Storm now. I played it compulsively every day. I have been reluctant to to try the remaster. Is it is it does it conjure those old things or is it more than just nostalgia? No, it's pure. It it is the original game scaled up. I mean, that's all they've done. Um, they have what they haven't done is really scaled up the cutscenes, which is interesting. So all the old sort of weird janky video that's like you know there's something gorgeous underneath. <laughs> yeah, that we used um, to think was gorgeous at the yeah, time. Yeah, but the game still holds up really well. I mean, there's some there's some conventions that I think things like StarCraft Two and then Heroes of the Storm have taught us that the way we interact with one of these games should be different. So there's you 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 move around the map by by touching the sides of the screen, which I haven't done in a game for a long time. Um, and it, it, it took a little getting used to it, but I just started playing through the, the Terran campaign and it brought back such fantastic memories. And it, it, it just, they've, they've not messed with it. They've taken those old assets and they've just made them work on a pyro screen and it looks great. Man, I'm tempted. I certainly am tempted. And it has that lower price point as well. It's not like a full price game. So it's still twenty bucks, though, right? I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's fifteen. Pretty... I don't know, but I more 20, than I yeah. thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, very very cool, um, Christian. How about you? What's on your playlist? I want to talk a little bit about PUBG, just a teeny bit. Uh, Cheap ED from Cheap Ass Gamer and I have been playing on his Twitch channel Thursdays at eight AM Pacific. In this past week. We got our first, we had some top 10 finishes, which was, we're not good at this game, so those were big, big moments. We were very aggressive, and that was a lot of fun, and I was feeling really good about myself. And then after that, I watched a couple of professional Battlegrounds players. Holy crap. Oh, it's insane, right? Ah, I couldn't, like, auto runs always on. They're never standing still, just, like, dancing in a circle into a room, like, tab picking up everything faster than I can even aim down my sights. Meanwhile, having a fascinating conversation with the Twitch audience about, like, something going on about how he's engaged and his fiance or whatever they're going to plan. Like, someone else walks in, he talks to them, gets a headshot, like, uh, looks over, oh, there's someone, bang. And I was just like, I texted Cheapy and I just said, we're never going to get a chicken dinner. And I sent him the clip. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so you're telling me that the professionals don't use the lie prone on the floor in the house and wait for someone to stroll by and pray? Because that's my, the, my only strat. The shotgun in the bathroom, and then you're talking to your friend, and you go, shh, 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 when you hear someone. Yeah. It was incredible. If you haven't, if you're listening to this, or if you are you, Jeff, and you haven't watched a pro player play 
spend 15 to 30 minutes and watch, especially as the circle gets tight. And I think if you don't understand the fun of that game, you can watch that and, and you just get it. You you just, even if you're not good at it, you see like, it's so simple and uh, we're having fun with it. Well, you know, I guess we kind of neglected bringing that up when we were talking about Xbox One X because the Xbox strategy, I think, at this point is just, hey, we got PUBG and nobody else does on console. And I, I think that might actually work for them Very because smart. this game is so... I mean, it was, you know, they just showed that they were on top of what was happening. I mean, if you look at the, uh, just all of video, uh, there were a lot of people that were late to the PUBG party. And like, there was a lot of people that were like, oh, wow, that's that big, really? And, you know, it, it, that game is, you know, without Twitch, that game would not be successful. I mean, it's like, this, yeah. it's the first sort of post-live streaming, like, built game. Right. Yeah, I don't no, know. It, I, I think it still would have been successful. Arma was successful pre Twitch, and Battle Royale was certainly a thing pre Twitch. I think it still would have been successful. I don't know if it would have been to this magnitude, but it's a very simple, visceral game where it's you get in, you 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 know find the best gears you can, so that's like rewarding. You get that little drip drip drop of the rush of picking up the cool items, and then when it gets intense, it's so intense, and then you're back out and you start again. It's just really simple gameplay loop that I think you'd have people, you know, if I was in high school, we'd be telling stories where you know you did something astonishing, no way, and then you'd want to go home and play to try to recreate that moment. Yeah, we've said it before on the show, but it, the the thing that he they really figured out and that I think is going to show up over and over again going forward is just eliminating the downtime between matches uh-huh. and figuring out a way to to get you back in the game much more quickly. And I think that takes the sting away from dying and and losing in a game and I think it's you're going to see that innovation show up over and over again, I think. So I'm going to ask an ignorant question uh, because they've said it looks, you know, this thing is going to come to PS4 at some point uh, seems to be the general consensus, even though statements might imply otherwise. But then I had heard that the reason it's coming to Xbox first is because they have early access on Xbox and PlayStation doesn't. But wasn't Paragon early access on PlayStation 4? Like, yeah. isn't PlayStation capable of that, too? Yeah, yeah I mean, okay. Paragon was is Paragon even out properly yet? I don't, I don't know. Think so, but I right? think isn't isn't PUBG coming out out though? Like when it comes out on Xbox, it's out no. out. Uh-uh. No, it's still going to be part of like the preview program or whatever they call it. I thought it was like getting a full. Release. I think it's going to, but not not the end of this year. Not when it comes to Xbox One. It's still like they said in the stream. It's part of whatever their term for the early access is. All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's that. The other game I've been playing, and I love it with my whole heart, is this little game called Sonic Mania. And it's so good. If you know nothing about the game, it is a throwback to 16-bit Sonic. If you know nothing about the game, get in a time machine and go to 1992. Oh, but it's so good. Like the pixel art, the colors, um, and it sounds silly, but the speed in which it moves when it's in beautiful widescreen support. The controls are spot on, unlike Sonic 4, which uh, misstepped in that direction. And I'm going to say something that maybe puts me out on a limb here and maybe something I didn't appreciate when I was younger and I'm just now appreciating now as an old man. Uh, You hear people talk about Sonic's game design philosophy and how it encourages you to go fast, but then it's constantly interrupting you and is that good game design, bad game design or whatever. I'm going to sit here and argue that the Sonic franchise, the good Sonic games, including Sonic Mania, 
are like uh, mm. a difficult book to read that is so rewarding when you get through it. I'll throw Lincoln and the Bardo out again because I'm just now finishing that book up. And it's incredible, but it's difficult to read. You're constantly jumping around from perspective and from protagonist and viewpoint, and it really requires your full attention. It's not like you leave it in the bathroom and you flip through couple of pages while you're taking a crap and then you move on with your day it requires your full attention you need to read it and then when you get in there you really appreciate it and sonic, sonic mania sonic mania is the finnegan's wake of video games is what you're saying the infinite I, jest of video games i will go out on that plank uh and I'll, i might be alone out there because what's so brilliant about it is the conflicting messages that it's sending you the whole time right because you are you want to rocket through these levels and you're rewarded with a character that quickly picks up speed and momentum and sometimes in those moments when you think you're getting ready to go fast will be something that is a, a huge impediment to your speed that stops you dead in your tracks and you get this feeling of like ah mm. and then other times when you're trying to go slow and artfully navigate this thing to get to a secret or a power up or get to a place to get an emerald uh where you can enter to get a emerald stone or whatever you hit a boost that sends you rocketing even if you didn't want to go rocket and then you're stuck in these loops and you do all this spinning and you're looping around and you're seeing all these parts of this level that you're never going to get to experience just go whizzing past you like the amount of the level that you will never see on a single gameplay of a sonic level is just astounding and then to think that people go back and speed run this and figure out the best way the best route and if they mess up one thing or another like as i play it and look at it from what this game is asking you to do in the ways it's asking you to do it, it's it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I love this game. Wow. Chaos Stone, Emerald Stone. Sorry, thank you, chat. Chaos, whatever they're called. You know what I'm talking about. Blah, blah, blah. John, have you played this? Uh, very briefly. I, I considered buying it this weekend. I was going to buy it on Switch as well because I was looking for something. I ended up not buying it, but it sounds like I should. If if you have any appreciation of the old Sonics, it's easy to recommend. And I think if you can play it with your eye open to to what it's asking you in the in the conflicting ways in which it's asking you to move forward, it's it's really phenomenal. Because Mario games, like they're great. Is, is even more impressive, though. Well, that's that's how you have to play because of the speed, man. You got to have this one eye. Uh, <laughs> like Mario games, you you know what the goal is, you know what you're doing, and and Sonic really does have this dual ask of you and i I'm, i have my first two hours streamed on twitch and archived on my youtube as well and it's sometimes it feels best when you're not doing anything and you're just in these you know silly loops zooming you all around a level or whatever and then that doesn't take you to the best place though like you'll smash into spikes and you're like oh no i didn't i didn't want to go on that loop it's ah uh, it's it's amazing it's amazing very cool i haven't played it <clears throat> but it looks great. I don't know the last game you played on Switch, good sir. I think it might be still Zelda. I think it is still Zelda. No, no, no. I played, um, oh God, what was that game called? I talked oh, about like it. That the MOBA three-lane. lane game or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, it was like uh, Plants vs. Zombies. can't remember what it was called. We got, you got to play some Splatoon. You can pass on ARMS. Sonic, you don't need to play on Switch. Uh, the Joy-Cons, I, I really wish. I'm just not you into Splatoon. You played Splatoon 2? Not 2, but uh, uh, you know, it's, if I didn't like the first one, I'm not going to like this one, right? It's not like it's magically different. I, it's not that I didn't like it. It just, just wasn't my jam, you know? It's like, I, I'm not... Yeah. When you're I, healthy, you know, I'll bring my Switch over. <laughs> we're like we're like a couple of weeks away from... Uh, from um, um, Mario? Mario, Ra- Mario Rabbids. 
Yeah. And then a couple of weeks away from Odyssey. It's yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That's September or something. Yeah. 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 Um, but I have been playing on my PlayStation four. I've been playing, uh, uncharted, the lost legacy. In fact, hey, send I, me, send me a text in a little bit. Cause I'm going to be playing this tonight when it goes live. Fair enough. I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, Christian also doesn't want to be around for that. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, I have completed the game. Uh, it is uh, not as long as a regular Uncharted game. Probably makes sense. Uh, it's not priced like a regular Uncharted game, but it is priced. You know, it's forty dollars. It's it's priced more than just what DLC would have been. This started as DLC, and now it is a full game, and it does feel like a full Uncharted game. It's cool. You you know, you play as um, uh, you play as Chloe uh, and Nadine, not you know, not Nate. Uh, which is the first Uncharted game to let you kind of, you know, not play as Nate. And it's fun to play as these new characters. They have a really cool relationship. It's much more strained than usually you get with Nate and uh, Sully. Um, and uh, it's just kind of fun to be doing the Uncharted stuff with a new character because, you know, this, the narrative is, is expressed so well. Uh, but it does all the Uncharted things that you want it to do, which is gorgeous, unbelievable locations, you know, Uncharted does that better than anybody else, taking you to these just jaw-dropping vistas and these incredible, uh, imaginative, forgotten worlds that, you know, you dream about. When you watch Indiana Jones, you dream about treasure hunting and finding the lost city of gold or whatever it is. In this one, it's in India, and you find this um, Hoysala magical city, and you're climbing all over it, and you're doing all that fun platforming stuff that that Uncharted does so well and you get to the top of these incredible things and you're hanging from these incredible things and you see far and it's just spectacular. I mean, it truly is spectacular. And How's fun. the character? So does it move the, those characters forward much? Like, do you get a better understanding of them? Um, a bit. You learn a lot more about Chloe. Like she has a relationship with her dad that you find out about, <clears throat> but it's all in just kind of dialogue. It's not, you're not getting flashbacks or anything. It's, you know, it's, it is not – I don't think it's really pushing the universe forward, but it, it – you know, it's interesting to butt those characters up against one another and see their relationship. Uh, and it's all sort of side universe stuff. There's a few surprising cameos and things that happened. <clears throat> um, but really – and the other thing it does that Uncharted games do very, very well is it gives you big set pieces, big awesome chases and incredible action moments and – uh, this one does that equally well. In fact, the, the last chapter of this one, I think, ranks among my favorite big action moments, set piece moments from from any Uncharted game. It's so good. It it's not reinventing the wheel. It's not doing anything that Uncharted hasn't really done before. But it it's doing it equally well, and it's so fun to be like, I can't believe I just did that. That was amazing. Um, so I think this one is if you're an Uncharted fan, it's a no brainer. It is really worth your time and money. It's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's beautiful. Uh, it's shorter. And in fact, I think sometimes uncharted games feel a little long, like they keep going a little bit beyond, you know, when I'm done. <clears throat> and this one is kind of feels like the right amount of length. It's, it's great. So yeah, I, I really, uh, I really dug lost legacy. Um, I'll have to, and it also comes with the multiplayer. So multiplayer is on, the disc. Uh, it's the same multiplayer from four, but you get that if you don't, if you happen to not have four. So, um, <clears throat> uh, I've also been playing. Nid and that's Hog. when Chloe dies. Oh no. Oh no. <clears throat> um, 
I, Christian, when you're done with it, we'll have to do a, like a, a spoilery talk because there's some fun moments that I would love to recap with you. And it might be tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a super long game, but it's um, it's it feels meaty and, and good. Uh, anyway, um, Nidhogg Two, I've been playing as oh, well. Cool. I didn't play a ton of the first. I didn't play a ton of the first one, but um, I like the concept. Nidhogg to me is a a brilliant way of getting around a problem that has always been there in fighting games, which is you're playing Soul Calibur and you hit someone with a giant axe and you're like, and they're like, okay, next hit, <laughs> you know, or, uh, you know, you're playing Mortal Kombat and you literally disembowel a person and then they stand back up and keep fighting. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's fun and silly and over the top. And, you know, I enjoy those games, but Nidhogg finds a way to like, Hey, I have a sword and I stabbed you in the face. You are dead. And that's not, that's not the end of our fight. That's just a moment in our fight. And I think that it's so, so clever the way they came up with this tug of war thing where you're just trying to get across the screen, either from left to right or right to left. And there's a person in your way and you can kill them and strike them down a bunch of times and they're going to keep coming back up. But when they're down, you get a chance to move farther your direction until you finally get as far as you need to to win the match. And that's such an awesome idea. It's so It reminds uh, me of the way novel. games were designed 30 years ago on like the 2600 and the Intellivision when, you know, they had to be creative with those kinds of states because they didn't have they didn't have much to work with and I think it's it's interesting to see those ideas being revisited with this. Like and also I think so the original Nidhog um like it's one of those games that when my kids have friends over, they inevitably end up playing it. Like it's it's that, like that is so true, and and I and I honestly think that might be my only, not even complaint. It's just the reason that I won't get a lot of play into Nidhug Two is because it is absolutely best sitting next yeah. to someone. It has online play, but it is a game that is made to be in the same room with a person and both playing it. And and that and if you have that, if you have that scenario, if you're a brother or a sister or a roommate or whatever, and you want this game is a must buy because it's so fun. It creates such a wonderful tug of war. It's just uh, one that's probably not going to get a lot of play from me just because I don't have that situation come up a lot anymore. But easily recommendable. Um, how is it? How is it different than one? Is it just kind of the art style, or did they add? Because the art, the original one looked kind of like an Atari game, and this right. one looks like it's—is it claymation almost, or something like it's that? It's got this—it's got this pixel thing that is—it's it, almost grotesque in in how it looks. It's, it's like everything's kind of squirming and and moving at all the time, undulating. You know, it's got this weird like. Uh, like everything's made up of tiny worms almost, <laughs> but it's all pixels. You know, it's all still pixel art. I, I happen to really like the art style. I think it's a big improvement from the first Nidhogg. It adds a much more visceral quality to everything. And there's much more going on visually. Um, I, like I said, I didn't play a lot of the first one, so I can't tell you how much game is different. Um, but I'm, I'm imagining the move set is a little tweaked. I, I'm, you, you constantly find new ways to, do the things you need to do. Like you, you know, you have these weapons and you can toss them and you can position them differently and you can parry with them, but there's no like press X to do a kick, press Y to do a body slam. There's no, it's not like a fighting game like that. It's much more nuanced. It's position the sword the way you want it to be positioned and then do that. And it will 
result in the move that makes sense from your arm position. You know, it's, there's a lot more uh, gradient in there than there is like, you know, binary press X or Y to do something. Um, which I think is, it allows for a lot more creativity and the people who are really good at this game are really, really good at it. Um, but like I said, I, I would love to play it with one of you guys like sitting next to me. That's how, I, that's how this game is meant to be played. Yeah. All right. Um, that's it for the playlist. Um, I've got some, some VR stuff to talk about though. So let's move on now to VR talk. John, you have been playing some, uh, some I VR, have, yes. right? I played Res Infinite again. <laughs> yeah, for what, the yeah. 20th time? Um, yeah. That was that and... So I, I, I mean, I, I dabble. I literally just took the. So I, I don't have anywhere permanent that I can set up um, the vibe that we have. So I don't have the 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 camera things bolted to the wall. I have them on tripods. So I put it up and take it down. So the kids are going back to school this week. So it got packed up this weekend. Um, but I was playing Res and soundboxing is something I keep going back to. Right. Uh, before we get to that, though, are your are your kids into it? Are they do they dig VR? Do they like think the tech they tech think is cool? It's cool, but their tolerance for it is really limited. <laughs> uh, tolerance for just what the, doing just the, yeah. the having like, goggles on the face. Um, yeah. yeah, the Rick and Morty game was a big hit. Um, they played all the way through um, uh, Job Simulator, and then they sort of drifted away from it. And you know, there were a few things. Um, uh, what did we spend a lot of time with? Oh, uh, Space Pirate, what's it called? Trainer. Trainer. We spent a lot of time yeah. in that, um, just because it lends itself to, you know, shorter play periods. Um, sure. But I think they were, like, super excited when I first got it, and then they've sort of drifted away from it, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, soundboxing is one, I don't, I don't know if I've talked about it on the show before, but it's awesome, right? Yeah. I mean, and and when it got really magical for me was when I sort of realized how how easy it was to make and share your own patterns. Um, I got into it because of I was reading the stuff that Job from Telltale had written about how he lost lots of weight playing it. Wait, yeah, um, yeah. and figured I'd try it out because I was like. Yeah, music game how much how much exercise can it really be and oh my god <laughs> yeah sweat oh yeah i hate for sweating sure. in vr like it's like it's not a pleasant like i i ended up having to order some new face things because it was getting a little gross. yeah yeah no i'm right there with you man i i that is a bummer i don't like my face to sweat and i tend to sweat pretty quickly and easily but uh Having multiple face things is, is is pretty pretty cool. Um, if you can swap them out and then just like run them over <laughs> under the sink or something, yeah. Uh, but it's a cool game, man. There's a lot of those kind of rhythm games. Audio Shield soundboxing is so great, and the the music, the the fact that you can use basically infinite music yeah. in it. Um, it doesn't need to be limited by its catalog or whatever. It's awesome. Wait, you can use Res Infinite's music in it? Is that you what you said? So the way that it works is that when you search for a song, it just it searches YouTube basically, and then it plays a YouTube video and pulls the so the the video the YouTube video actually plays on a wall in the environment, 
Um, but then your your whole experience is in this. You can choose the room that you're in, and you you play to record the song for other people to play. Um, it projects this transparent wall in front of you, and wherever you punch through the wall, it makes one of the blobs that then people have to beat match later. So it's it's timing, and then it's position of the two controllers. So it's like if uh, you know if you were playing Rock Band or something, and you could just listen to any song and and it would record the buttons you push on the guitar, and that made a track for someone to play. It's the same idea. It's pretty clever. Um, really, really cool game. Um, I got a chance to try uh, a location specific VR experience called We Play VR. I talked about it this week on Newest, Latest, Best, and. It's uh, it's a pretty cool thing. They, there's only, I think, seven of them right now, most of them in the UK. Uh, but they're trying to expand more of them. And these are much more affordable uh, type experiences than something like The Void, which many people have heard about. Uh, but The Void is, is, a, is a pretty expensive thing to do. And it's also a really expensive thing to, you know, have in your establishment. If you're an arcade or an amusement park or a mall and you want to have one of these things – the idea with We Play VR is that it's this 10 by 10 cube that you buy and it's all like just ready to go. And they've, they've got proprietary, um, uh, SDK and, and, uh, software and a, and a game that they've made and they're making more games, but also, uh, uh, developers can develop for it and create, you know, location specific games that you can only play in one spot, for example. But the idea here is it's like this big plexiglass box. And it's a 10 by 10, uh, so it's not huge, but there are these uh, modular uh, sections that can be moved around inside it that allow you to create mazes or pathways or walls to touch your hand against based on what the game requires. And all of the floor, there's like tiles in the floor uh, that are all independently programmable to have vibration on them. Huh? Yeah. So, uh, and there's like, they can add more things too. They can add, you know, like jets and air, you know, things that push like air Like 40 XVR or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just all, all to create a more immersive experience. And, and this is on the back, I should say, of just a out of the box Vive. Like they use the lighthouses and you're holding a Vive. It's a Vive. It's a Vive. They have, you know, a software that they've made custom for it, but, um, they're just using straight Vive tech. And, um, the thing that I did was this Aztec, uh, like Indiana Jones type thing where I'm just holding one Vive controller, which is a torch. And that's the only object that I have in the entire experience. And you walk in and, uh, they're like arrows on the floor that tell you where to go and a voiceover in your ear, like, you know, giving you story stuff, but you are inside this cave, this not cave dungeon, you know, like an Aztec tomb, and you're venturing deeper and deeper into it. And you walk along and if you put your hand out, you feel the wall and it's where the wall is in VR and it's all stony and cool in VR. And so you feel like it's awesome. And then you get, you know, you get, you walk up to a big stone door and you activate it by like touching your torch to a thing or whatever and lighting a fire, you know, and it, and it makes the door move. And when the door, this big, heavy stone door rumbles open, the floor where the door was rumbles and if you feel it, even though you're not standing on the thing, you feel that door opening. It's an awesome feeling. And then 
uh, at one point I walked through this corridor and get to this elevator and go deeper into like down into the shaft. And it's this big stone slab that, that I stand on that lowers. And as it lowers, it's rumbling under my feet and it really felt like I was going down. It was crazy because, you know, you look up and you see everything get farther, farther away. And you're, you know, descending into the depths of this, this, uh, this tomb Really cool experience. It only lasted about five minutes uh, from start to finish, but it's the kind of thing that you would go and do at an amusement park or a mall or something. You'd pay, you know, $4 or something and you'd go through and they'd be able to put a lot of people in one after another. Um, I was very impressed with it. They're talking about, uh, we play VR is talking about it as a, as a way to just get people aware of what VR can do and get more people into it and understand how cool it is. And they're trying to make them, you know, inexpensive enough that you'll see these all over the place. Um, so I was really impressed with it. Very cool. That sounds cool. You have a backyard. I don't know what's stopping you. I told her that dude, when I was there, I told, I told <laughs> Shauna who was, who was, uh, demoing it for me. I was like, uh, my next goal is to save up, the like 60 grand it costs to buy one of these, <laughs> uh, put it in my backyard. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, all right, guys. Uh, I, you know, it was Gen Con this week. So, uh, we gotta have a little bit of tabletop time. Tabletop time, tabletop time. Right now, right now. Oh man, uh, Gen Con, uh, this week in Indianapolis, it was, uh, you know, a big, big board gaming convention where so many games are announced and released. We got a new Star Wars miniature game from Fantasy Flight Games. We got Restoration Games, which is this new, uh, new company that was created by a friend of the show, Rob Davio. They announced a reprint for Fireball Island, you guys. I know you guys remember Fireball Island from the 80s. Um, they're reprinting it, remastering it, doing a brand new production run on it. The game has been out of print for 20 years, 30 years. Um, that's so cool. And, uh, you know, lots of, lots of really exciting, interesting games coming out of, uh, of Gen Con. One of the games uh, that was announced at that time, uh, I want to tell you about because they sent it to me to try. I've been a, <clears throat> I've been a big fan of uh, Wits and Wagers for a long time. I'm sure Christian, you've heard me talk about Wits and Wagers over and over again. Uh, you, I think we played it together, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wits and Wagers is um, the the party game. I think it's one of the best party games ever made. Certainly the most awarded party game ever made. Uh, it's a trivia game. Where not, not knowing the answer is just as fun as knowing the answer. And that's, I think, why it makes it so special. Because if you play Trivial Pursuit or any other trivia game, basically, if you don't know the answer, it's not that fun. But Wits and Wagers, the way you play it is you try to guess something. And if you, even after you guess it, you're wagering your points based on other people's guesses. So you can, even if you know you don't know it, but you think that Christian or John does know it, you wager that they got it right or got at least closer to getting it right than you did, and you can still win points. Very, very clever stuff. And the wagering part is a big uh, felt mat that comes with the game. There's a bunch of different wits and wagers. There's family edition. There's party edition. Um, but there's a new uh, Kickstarter that that went up, and they sent me uh, a prototype for it. Um, it's Vegas, uh, expansion, Vegas expansion for Wits and Wagers. And it's a gigantic, 
like um, polyurethane or I don't know what, what's the what's the what's the material that you have with like a neoprene? scuba suit um, neoprene. That's what I'm looking for. Um, it's like a big neoprene pad that's gigantic. Uh, it takes it like a whole size the size of a whole table. And uh, it's for when you're playing with a large group of people and you want it to really feel like you're wagering in Vegas. Really clever, man. I think it's cool. And they're doing a Kickstarter for it right now. You, it's still, you still need to have a version of Wits and Wagers, but it works with all of them. And this is the, the thing I'm going to bring with me when I go to uh, play this at, uh, you know, at a party. I'm going to bring this big one because I think it will get more people into it. Um, anyways, cool thing. They sent it to me to, to check out, and I was, I was pretty taken with it. So, so what do you know about uh, – I was just looking it up, the new fantasy – because I'm a big fan of the Fantasy Flight X-Wing game. So this new one is Legion, right, which is the, yeah. is the individual um, ground unit version by the looks of it. Yes. It's, it's the, in the same sense that X-Wing Miniatures game is – uh, freeform and not based on any kind of tile set on the table. This is a miniatures game like you would play, you know, Warhammer 40K or something where it's all like measuring uh, <laughs> and your movement is based on, you know, inches or, or millimeters and, and you measure on a table and you're, you're, it really is a miniatures game. It's really a like war game set in the Star Wars universe. And the miniatures are gorgeous. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've seen pictures fantastic. of what you're looking at, but. Oh, yeah. It's very high quality stuff. So very exciting. I've never really gotten into like miniatures gaming. I played a lot of X-Wing, X-Wing miniatures game, but like those those big, you know, if you've ever been to a convention and seen those big entire tables where guys oh, have like yeah. built cities and they've got hundreds of units and stuff. That's the idea here. And this is going to have like tons of expansions that will add a bunch of Star Wars units to it. Um, but it's pretty cool. Uh, the one game that I did see, if you're a fan of X-Wing miniatures game, there's a game that was announced at Gen Con uh, called Laser Riders that uh, it looks so awesome. It's basically taking the idea from X-Wing Miniatures game of just those like measuring cardboards. You know, there's like different ones. There's a curved one and a straight one and stuff. Just that, but like m- mixing that with like a light cycles where you're creating those pathways with those pieces of cardboard and trying to block your opponent and and, you know, fence them in. But the whole aesthetic of laser riders is like this old uh, VHS world, and the game box itself looks like a VHS box set. It's it's pretty clever looking. Yeah, it's awesome. Couple of uh, emails I wanted to read uh, because we haven't done tabletop time in a while. Uh, this one comes from a Scott. Uh, Dolgarian, who says, uh, I've been playing Pandemic with some friends now for about six rounds. Oh, excuse me. Pandemic Legacy, I think. Um, no, no, maybe it is regular Pandemic. Anyway, he says, uh, we've only won once so far. We are playing on normal mode, five Epidemic cards. I wanted to start with this in hopes we move to Pandemic Legacy, but at this point, it's not going so well. I can see that strategy strategy issue we are having is collecting five cards of one color and getting them to a single person to treat the disease. Uh, he says that uh, some of the roles that they have have helped, but uh, it's impossible to be able to only trade cards in cities where we have the exact city card. Do you have any suggestions to help us win? Curing diseases? Also, by sharing no- knowledge by passing one card, uh, is that one of your four moves? Anyway, he's looking for uh, advice. He, he hasn't been winning. So the first thing I will say is – 
Have you guys played Pandemic? John, have you played Pandemic? Uh, have you had uh, success? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's important for uh, for Scott to hear because uh, I yes, exactly. lose yeah. much more often than I win as well. And I think that's kind of the fun. Like the game is, the game is hard. Um, uh, y- yes, switch up your roles. Uh, divide and conquer. Those are all good, uh, good strategies. But the thing I will say is don't let losing hold you back from trying Pandemic Legacy. In fact, that game has a cool feature where if you win – or excuse me, if you lose uh, several in a row, you get to unlock something in the game box that you wouldn't get to unlock any other way. I haven't done it, so I don't even know what it is, but – it's a cool thing. Like it, it's a it's a fun reward for losing. So um, don't let that hold you back from Pandemic Legacy because it's it's awesome. And losing is part of it. Losing is part of it. Uh, here's another uh, email that I thought was wonderful. This comes from Brandon uh, from Southern Indiana. He says, um, "A buddy of mine recently asked me to create a character for his upcoming D and D campaign that he's run running. I haven't played D and D in many many years, and I've never DM'd before." But while creating that character, I became super obsessed with crafting my own campaign. I've spent many large chunks of my work shifts fleshing out ideas. I've read through all three version five handbooks, almost cover to cover. And one of the things they talk about is using systems that measure specific aspects of the players, such as piety, political influence, military raking, etc. Some of the encounter ideas I've jotted down had no real immediate benefit for the players other than they would simply be doing a kind thing for NPCs in my world. It hit me that I should turn that into one of those systems, one that is almost karma-like. And while thinking that, the message you end every show with popped into my head. So I've officially dubbed it the DLC system and will now be actively paying attention to whether or not my players are making my fictional world a better place. Thanks for being an inspiration. Have a good one. I thought that was so great. Christian, isn't that awesome? It's incredible. I'm also going to be sending a royal or requesting royalty checks from time to time, but like otherwise, you know, otherwise super cool. No, it's great. I love uh, positivity and I, I like, I think what I like about role-playing games in general is that people oftentimes backstab, but it actually brings the real people together in, in a fun way when you sit down at a table and play a game together. All right. Yeah, I agree. And it's, um, it's a wonderful thing helping to spread that kind of positivity. And, and you're absolutely right. The, uh, you know, fictional worlds can inform real world sometimes. I think. I'm going to steal your crown from your elf for, for me, but after the game, we're better friends because of it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, absolutely true. All right, guys, uh, let's wrap the show up now. Uh, we do have parting gifts coming at you. So don't, don't miss that. Don't, uh, don't touch that dial. But John Davison, thank you so much for being here, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, where can people keep so, up with your stuff? Uh, on Twitter is probably the best way to, to keep track of me. Uh, JWH Davison on Twitter. Um, the things that I'm working on right now are going to be uh, so after I, after we wound down the San Francisco team at Lixel, um, we all went our separate ways, and I, I just started at, at a company called Network. Um, and I'm going to be building something new. They currently, they have a game called Legendary Game of Heroes, which um, is sort of a, it's a, it's a, it's a mashup of lots of things on mobile, but uh, I think the closest analogy is something like um, Puzzle Quest. 
So Puzzle Quest. Oh, now but, I'm listening. Uh, to go back to our previous conversation, that also has a deck building element. <laughs> so you build a deck. You build ah, a deck of heroes, cool. and you charge up their attacks with a match three, and then you work your way through the quest that way. So that that's that's the the game that's currently the the engine of Network. But what I'm going to be working on is actually going to be something separate from that. Oh, interesting. Legendary Game of Heroes. It's uh, on, I'm assuming, iOS, Android. Awesome. Very cool. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, I'm going to be streaming some Uncharted Lost Legacy, so you can follow along with that at twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Uh, I'm very excited. I have all playthroughs of all the Uncharted games. I didn't quite get through three before four came out and was replaying them, but I'm super excited for Lost Legacy, so that will be happening probably tonight. <laughs> ah, never going to sleep. And then... You can find my other little geeky podcast, at least 20 more minutes over at patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. Last week's episode was a deeper dive about Observer, which I am not quite finished with, but I still That's absolutely love, thing, love, right? love, love, love that game. Yeah. It is by the team that made Layers of Fear, and it's like Blade Runner meets uh, Mind Games. <laughs> oh, man. It's, I, I just realized that uh, I sound a lot like the main character <laughs> in that game right now. That yeah. I could be doing a, uh, oh, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, the, uh, the character's name in the game? Oh, the actor! What's his name? He Rooker played Howard. Roy in yeah. Blade Runner. Uh, oh, come on. Yeah, yes. Rutger Hauer. It's, it's there like we go. super the grizzled Rutger Hauer who sounds... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tears of me. Yeah, I don't know it, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's so, he's so, like... I get like legit concerned for his well-being just hearing his voice over in the game. It's phenomenal. I yeah, I I still love that game. Um, and then you can head over to my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer seven one three, where I have a couple of I archive my streams there, and I have a couple of reviews and impression videos there as well. So you can find all that stuff there. And then, uh, like I said, I'll be in Austin over Labor Day weekend doing sets as part of the Out of Bounds Comedy Festival. So if you're in Austin or in Texas, come to a show, come say hi. Uh, I'd love to see you out and about. Awesome. I have several other shows for you to check out. Uh, if you like video games and you like this show, man, wouldn't it be great to hear me talk about video games every single day? Hey, you're in luck. I do a short form quick hits keeping you up with the news and releases every day, seven days a week. It's only 10 minutes long. Give it a shot. It's called Newest, Latest, Best. You can find it on iTunes or Google Play, or you can go directly to anchor.fm slash NLB. I also do the slash filmcast, which is at slash filmcast.com, although we're taking a week off this week. And uh, I do a, a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. <coughs> All right. Let's get to our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. John, do you have a suggestion to help people get uh, through It might their be week? obvious, but um, I think it is worth noting that uh, The Defenders is a return to form for Marvel on Netflix after the atrocity that was Iron Fist. <laughs> that's good he is, is and, still present you can tell, so I don't know if you know but they, they fired nearly everyone concerned with season one of Iron Fist um, with good reason um, and he's still weirdly 
kind of whiny, but not in as annoying a way as he was in season one of Iron Fist. It's been funny because if you follow the defenders on Twitter, they actually they've created accounts for all four of them, and every time uh, Danny Rand says anything on Twitter, Jessica Jones tells him to shut up. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's amazing. that's been their quick fix. Like no spoilers for anything in the season, but th- the yeah. show is in on him being annoying. And you're yeah. like, oh, I'm not the only one. Thank you. But the you. presence Thank of Daredevil <laughs> in Defend makes you realize that there is a sort of stack rank order of quality of those Netflix Marvel shows, and it is the order in which they came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, I haven't watched Avengers yet. And but it's I'm hoping eight that episodes is, instead uh, of 13, which I think actually the perfect, I think. Which is also helpful. Uh, I mean, particularly Iron Fist and Luke Cage, I thought dragged on a bit. Uh, an eight feels perfect. Yeah. Sounds good. Christian, how about you? You got a parting gift? Oh, do I? Oh, Whoa, man, That sounds like a remixed new version, Christian. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Disney XD brought back DuckTales. That is the theme song, which is the old song, but updated. And it took me a little while to appreciate Scrooge McDuck's new voice, just because that classic voice I lived with for so long. What they've done with updating this show is awesome. My daughters loved it. The first episode is free on YouTube if you want to check it out there. If you don't have Disney XD or cable or whatever, or buy it on iTunes, however you want to get it. It's really well done. The animation is fantastic. Uh, Lin-Manuel is going to be involved. Oh, God, what's his name? The Robot Duck. That comes up. He's not in the uh, pilot, but it's just like the cast of characters that they have attached to do this show. It's such a smart update that is it's just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. It's the new DuckTales from Disney. Very upset that they did not contact me to do Donald. Yes, I can do it. That pretty good. But, That's great. You know, yeah, they should have. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, my, uh, we got a <laughs> we got a parting gift. Sent to us uh, at dlcfeedback at gmail.com, which is where you send uh, any emails you would like to send, including uh, parting gift suggestions. This comes from Zach from Charlotte. He says, uh, hey, guys, love the show. Longtime listener. Uh, reason I'm emailing has nothing to do with video games and movies. I want to give you a parting gift suggestion. So here it is. Check out the 311 album mosaic christian talks a lot about music and i have been a huge fan of them since the mid 90s i've seen them over 20 times live and i buy their albums on the day of release the last couple haven't been their best but this new one is actually really good in my opinion i don't know if you liked them back in the day but even if you just like their mainstream hits check this album out it's a throwback to their reggae rap rock days great album to sit back and chill on the beach or the lake or the pool check it out hope you like his favorite tracks, he says, are Too Much to Think, Island Sun, Perfect Mistake, Extension. Can I tell a quick 311 story? Cool. I was on a hotel. We were on a track trip when I was in college. We were checking into our hotel, and a buddy of mine on the track team was walking down the hallway. And he's like, let's see what room am I in? And he goes, oh, 311. And then the other buddy goes, na 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 down, down. And then my <laughs> other buddy punched him in the face and dropped him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all like it was like what room i am 311 down wham and then just fell and it was beautiful wow. beautiful moment all right well thank you very much zach for sending that dlc feedback 
at gmail.com again is the place to send it. Uh, again, I said that, uh, Gen Con was this week. Uh, I've been talking about Gen Con games on newest, latest, best, which you can find uh, me talking about board games more often than I do here. But if you can't get enough of board game talk, I highly recommend one of my favorite podcasts on the topic. It's called The Dice Tower. Um, and uh, the, the guys there, a couple of them have been on our show. We actually had uh, Tom Vassell on, I don't know, like, like episode five of DLC or something like that uh, very early on. And, uh, it's, it continues to be great. They're growing and growing and they did some great coverage of Gen Con as well. So check them out, dicetower.com. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to John Davison and Christian Spicer for hanging out. Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for also hanging out with us and putting up with my bad voice. <coughs> Pardon me. And uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Thanks to all of you who downloaded the show. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.